So Avinash, it's been fantastic to just uh, take a look at your face. Um, as I was telling uh, telling you before, uh, I was very self-conscious of my silver. I remember you always telling that when I used to say you have grey hair, you said no, 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 that is silver. <laughs> so anyway, this is a uh, this is this is great to see you, and thanks for doing this uh, this with me on a. Sunday afternoon. <clears throat> I have been looking forward to this restart of the second season uh, for a long time, and I wanted to start with you. So welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, Vicky. <laughs> Vicky. You'll have an edit, but no. No one has called me Vicky for a while. I'll have an edit, but no. Your pleasure to be here, Raghu. Out. I think you might remember I started going grey in MBBS. I do. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I uh, the first few streaks of grey uh, and it's now silver those days it was grey because there was still some black hair left to offset the silverness of the white and make it look grey. <laughs> no there's not a single strand of black left on top. So when I started going grey in second MBA I still remember uh, Asif uh, uh-huh. Asif Rahman Chaudhary uh, and Shabir uh, rest in peace Shabir. Um, they shared a room uh, in Chanakya So Asif had this uh, thing about mixing mehndi uh and and uh, I think he used it as a conditioner or something for his hair. Uh-huh. Uh so they had these iron bowls where they used to put all kinds of concoctions some mehndi and some coffee or god knows what else uh and apply it on the hair and walk around. So he had brought me a mix saying are yaar laga de baal safed baal nikal rahe <laughs> I looked at that concoction and got frightened so I didn't try. <laughs> I don't know if I tried whether I would have had hair left or black hair left God only knows. So we'll find out if Asif has any then we'll know whether you were right I or wrong. So my so hairline hasn't receded so but it has all gone white. <laughs> but it really looks good or at least I look good on this snapshot now. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With that. So <clears throat> Avinash can you as a, as just as a recap to everyone in, you know this podcast series is uh, is actually called the unseen journey uh, it is okay. to introduce uh, all the classmates to each other um, not only while we were in during the mbbs time uh, prior to that and and most importantly what has happened in the last uh, 20 years or so or more i think close to 25 years now um, yeah. so if you can Let's start from the beginning, the pre-JNMC time. Okay. Um, take us through, take us through your childhood. All right. In, uh, in, it almost feels Hubli. like a yeah. <laughs> feels like a therapy question. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, I'm in psychiatry, so I know how these conversations start and where they go. So I'll try and avoid all the scary places and keep it simple. Okay. So yes, I was born in Hubli. um and uh, i spent the first two or three years of my childhood with my grandparents in a place called darwad which is uh, hubli's twin city um i remember that as a beautiful phase of my life because uh, they were based in the university campus and there's a university of agricultural sciences in darwad which was at the periphery of darwad 
so outside city limits so it had its own uh, it was almost like a nature reserve uh, so a lot of my time would be spent sitting outside uh, my grandparents cottage looking at the trees and uh, the zoology students chasing butterflies uh, in in the park in front of our house uh, so childhood was fascinating that way until i joined school from where it all started going downhill the <laughs> <laughs> so, schooling was in uh, hubli in a school called st mary's high school did you have to move there. back to your parents then <clears throat> yeah uh, yes yeah, so i moved back to my parents to start schooling um so, schooling was so your your childhood was very good because your grandparents were probably more reward less punishment when it comes to parents it is a little bit of both Well, exactly. my grandmother was uh, made up for uh, the, the punishment, but uh, in a good, good measure. So <laughs> I didn't miss any of that. <laughs> uh, the, the, that was offset by my maternal uncles. Both of them were students in that university, so all the reward was from uh, the affection I got from them, really. Ah. Uh, and uh, and my uh, grandfather was the office superintendent of the veterinary hospital there. Uh, uh-huh. so all the attendants and the veterinary workers uh, so they, they used to dote on me so i was like uh, everyone's child in in a certain way so it was good fun uh, so i have some very compelling visual memories from that uh, <laughs> elaborate from that a place. couple <laughs> okay uh, okay all with all due respect to uh, the proctologists and the surgeons out there okay <laughs> so you I, this was a veterinary hospital as well so they used to bring lots of uh, livestock mostly cattle uh, who were obviously unwell so my neighbor was a veterinary surgeon so one day i was going to get my grandfather home for lunch so i was passing by the veterinary outpatients which was pretty open it wasn't a closed uh, building so i saw uh, the veterinary surgeon uh, whose name was huli uh, huli uh, in kannada is huli almost like tiger so he used to be called huli ajja which is uh, grandpa huli so i used to imagine him looking like a tiger and he had a very benevolent face uh, to be a veterinary surgeon i guess you got to have that but i used to imagine huli ajja must be a tiger man of some sort <laughs> and uh, that imagination got enriched by that visual when i was passing by the veterinary hospital uh i could see only his arm the rest of his forearm <laughs> was buried in the <laughs> the <cloud. laughs> back side obviously he was trying to do some sort of an examination the cow was uh, you know moving on top of its voice but he had a very pleasant look on his face and he was saying where are you going are you going to get your grandfather i said what are you doing to that cow <laughs> he said i'm trying to figure out what's happening inside its belly <laughs> so, i think uh, i think probably I've, uh, never ever considered the thought of becoming a veterinary doctor after that uh, you wanted to issue. do it instead on humans <laughs> no 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 i had nothing to do with uh, Uh, putting my finger anywhere uh, so i no physical contact you sit on a couch and i listen to you <laughs> that's what i do in my job nowadays uh, yeah so so yeah that was an interesting um, time of my life um, and then you moved to hubli to school yeah so i stayed in the same school in hubli um, it was a good school i think it's Through, from k to 12 k to 10 all yeah, the way k from to kindergarten 10, k yeah. to 10 k to 10 so it was it's a 150 year old school uh so it had its own legacy of sorts uh and that sense of pride and belonging uh, in anywhere you lay your roots down i think was instilled uh in my time at that school uh, 
this slogan of the school was we the proud st mary's boys or something uh-huh. bit of vanity there uh-huh. uh, but essentially what you took from there was a sense of belonging uh-huh. uh and and uh, i'm i'm still deeply nostalgic about everywhere i've been uh, and and i think uh, that sense of nostalgia or nurturing nostalgia which one of my friends called a deadly disease <laughs> started from a time at school uh, so i enjoyed my school uh, i had uh, a bit of a rough time now and then because of bullying and uh, feeling uh, uh, well we in india we always looked down on dark skin don't we so i was one of these puny dark skin characters uh, uh-huh. who wasn't necessarily considered to be cool to hang out with Uh-huh. uh so i used to get picked on and bullied at school quite a few times uh, in wow. my primary school especially uh uh-huh. uh then i had to break out uh, by doing something spectacular <laughs> to be considered oh this guy is something he's not to be considered cool uh, well not really it wasn't yeah it was a blessing of a teacher i think who pushed me on to stage and made me start doing public speaking when <clears> i was in uh, my fourth standard Yeah so I led the school sports parade and did a few speeches all because I was forced to do it so I think that was the beginning of my sense of confidence in myself from that age at school so that, that kind teacher. of bullying kind of paid way as a as a solution you had to kind of find something um yeah. yes I'm glad I went through the bullying experience because it gets you in touch with feeling vulnerable which I think mm. is very important to understand yeah uh what makes you feel vulnerable about yourself in 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 various situations so and how do you get out of it so i think that teacher was a blessing from from above <laughs> so that's interesting that you say that bullying was a blessing for you and and we in bullying was not even a term of conversation when we were actually growing up it, no, it was just an never, experience it was yeah. just an experience you had no word or language to express what was happening to you um yeah. it was just a negative feeling um but then now with more awareness bullying is has a term it has vocabulary it has policies it has a lot of different things yeah do you think as a psychiatrist bullying has you said in your own experience that it had a positive connotation or positive effect in some ways do you think it is part and parcel of life so absolutely adversity of any sort bullying is just one example is a part and parcel of everyone's life isn't it um, it depends on how you take it uh, adversity if you think of adversity as a question life asks of you or a challenge that life throws at you how do you deal with it do you succumb to it uh, do you observe it reflect on it step up and move on so you choose uh, how you handle what life throws at you so i think that was a useful experience for me from that perspective not that i was aware of that in that mm-hmm. way uh, but it just uh, when you look back and reflect uh, you just realize what made life slightly better what made your journey better and that was one positive experience which changed the way i dealt with stuff like that you need that little bit of shaking out of your comfort zone Absolutely. so that you could actually bloom yes because i ask this because we have sons uh, my son is uh, now 13 years old and you have a young son too and you know i think bullying is i think all of us go through it either we are the bullies at some time and sometimes we are bullied um you know and it has always been a a difficult um issue for me as how to deal with bullying you know in school there will be some sort of subtle bullying here and there and and they'll come and express to you um yeah. you know 
uh, and and even my you know we had the same thing with our daughter and um, with with our son now. Uh, that's awesome. So go on with your. Yeah. So age. so uh, school was good. Um, um, I did well, mm-hmm. reasonably well academically at school. I wasn't mm-hmm. in the top, but I was in the top five, I think, by the time I finished school. Wow. Um, in, yeah. Yeah. Not that it was a huge achievement, but I wasn't uh, necessarily um, lagging behind. In so you were good in public speaking. You were. You were. you know above average academically were you also playing some sports oh yes um, i was good at quiz uh, so i continued my wow. uh, yeah. interest in quizzes from school all the way through medical school i used yeah. to host quizzes in medical school as well medical college we call it there don't we um, so sports yes i had a keen interest to play cricket uh-huh. uh, and my school cricket coach had seen me playing and he said i think you should join practice sessions with the school cricket team this was when i was ninth standard uh huh Uh, and that meant i had to go uh, at around 9 uh, uh, o'clock 6:30 uh-huh. just give me a moment room i'll get the door mm-hmm. yeah so that i'm on the phone sir that okay so um, yeah so my school coach watched me playing and asked me to join the school cricket team practice session which meant i had to go to school at around 6:30 in the morning so i was absolutely excited uh, but my father had different views <laughs> my father thought okay if this guy starts playing cricket then he'll stop studying yeah. so my father said absolutely i'll encourage you to go and play cricket with the school team 6:30 in the morning no problem at all uh, i suggest you put your books back on the bookshelf and stop studying now uh-huh. so that you can focus entirely on cricket don't waste your time studying so it was his way of saying <laughs> <laughs> nothing doing so that was the end of my aspiring cricket interest uh-huh. uh, so i was meant to open the batting with the school team if at all i had gone to their practice sessions and developed my skill uh uh-huh. but that didn't happen so no not very sporty uh, i played stuff i played football i played cricket i played hockey even um, yeah so but again you don't get selected into some of those teams like the football teams or the hockey teams because the um, there are cliques there who select yeah. their own friends into those teams right so i was not yeah. one of the in characters for stuff like football and hockey Yeah. cricket i had a chance but then i couldn't pursue it so. your public speaking once you started in fourth grade or fifth grade uh, did yeah. that actually make you the cool guy in the block in the in the school oh, no no that no. actually changed think, uh, things no i don't think uh, at least uh, my friends at school and my schoolmates probably never thought uh, being academic uh, academically inclined or public speaking was a cool thing really uh, yeah. it, it just it just that you were noticed yeah and you weren't thought of as uh, uh, good for nothing Mm-hmm. Uh, but the real cool was in people who used to have three buttons down on their shirts get into trouble with the teachers uh, and have <laughs> was, a, can't yeah. Be, yeah and i can't be bothered with anything sort of air about them uh, and yeah. and obviously the ones who used to draw attention from the girls uh, were always the ones who were considered cool which is yeah. usually something to do with being good looking so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. then gone about your uh, then you went in uh, so through high school and then you went to puc or or 11th yeah grade but the 11th and 12th was in hubli again it was a it was a college pre university college called pc japan uh, not far from my home so i used to walk to college actually uh-huh. and come back walking so that was two years 
uh, and uh, that was uh, another very fascinating phase of my life i think i discovered the sense of teenage rebellion uh-huh. in those two years uh-huh. uh until then i was fairly well behaved and uh, compliant and all the rest of that yeah uh, but uh, something happened in college uh, which uh, which brought out the teenage rebellious spirit in me uh, one day nimsha prabhu yeah you want me to go somewhere else today hmm. say hello hello okay. siddharth can i see you it's raghu uncle saying hello say hello wave hey man you've grown you remember me i i don't think you'll remember me but you were so such a so little when i came he's saying you were very little when you came to visit us many years ago he can't hear raghu because oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah that yeah so he can yeah he can hear you i can no, hear you, you. Can. wait yeah, it's fine okay <laughs> <laughs> ask mommy mommy's upstairs ask mommy go okay sorry no, no, so yeah no. we were talking about my puc yeah so uh, it all started as a bet uh, i'll share you a, a small story with you so i was this docile fairly compliant uh, seemingly well behaved sort of kid uh-huh. uh so uh, i had a close friend at the time who was an ultra competitive guy now uh, sadly he passed away when we finished our puc so he's no no more Uh, but he was a close friend growing up his name was ashwin so um, ashwin had the sense of challenging me about stuff uh, and uh, we were talking about this botany lecturer who had a very s- soft voice so we could barely hear him sitting at the back uh-huh. so and i was uh, saying oh well you can barely hear this guy speaking he keeps muttering under his breath someone needs to tell him to speak up a bit uh-huh. so so my friend said if you have the guts why don't you tell him mm-hmm. uh and i said yeah that's not such a big deal he said oh well then do it tomorrow then i said okay uh, what do i get in return so grease the movie was doing a rerun in the cinema <laughs> at that time uh-huh. so i said okay you got to buy us all tickets to go and watch grease uh-huh. so all the friends were up for it i mean they were getting free tickets at my expense anyway uh-huh. if i did what i had to do so i set something up uh uh-huh. and uh, so the next day in class i put my hand up the botany lecturer was thrilled because no one ever asked him questions uh, and then he said what's yeah, what's your question i said i can't hear you you need to speak up a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a clever chap he said yeah then why don't you come and sit in the front in the first two, <laughs> why do you always sit in the back <laughs> then you know you can't lose isn't it it's a issue of uh, your prestige is at stake there uh-huh. you know it's about 180 people in the class all looking at okay there's some drama unfolding here it's fascinating so i said okay i'm not going to lose here so i said oh, well it's not just about me it's all about about all the people who are sitting here at the back you need to speak up for all of us to hear you know uh-huh. if i come and sit in the front that's all my problem but not my friends uh-huh. he said you should think about yourself not your friends uh-huh. i remember that was probably the first time i said uh i'm not brought up like that to think about myself i'll think about my friends also so i refuse to come and sit in the front uh, wow. but i don't is but i expect you to speak up uh-huh. because we are paid fees to come to college and get knowledge from you said all those things yeah so i just went on a trip uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so it dull botany lecture suddenly became interesting because of the drama that unfolded <laughs> Uh, and then uh, after that i think it just uh, it was just a journey of paper rockets making noise creating and how did that botany teacher react did he did he have a negative reaction because that would be taken oh, yes. as a big rebellion he, and a big problem 
yeah it was a 5 minute argument i think in uh-huh. the end uh-huh. so he he left the class halfway and went and complained to the head of department uh-huh. who summoned me to his office uh-huh. and said uh, what do you think you're doing uh, yeah. i said i'm merely asking him to speak up yeah so that his lecture can be heard by everyone in the class not just by 10 people sitting in the front uh-huh. and he said is that how you talk to your teachers uh, i said no i talk very politely i don't think he took it well though <laughs> Yeah. And then I said sir if you are in my position tell me what else I could have done differently should I not ask him to speak up and I'll do that. So the botany lecturer the HOD HOD just looked at me and said oh, okay okay go. And that was the end of it. We got into a few more situations in college because uh, I think me and my group of friends were necessarily the best behaved students in college. Wow. Uh, so always... <clears throat> there are there are a lot of things that these instances and also knowing you that actually brings out and one of that is confidence right so the amount of confidence you had that you were right and not wrong i'm not saying the botany teacher was wrong but also that that you were right and even when you were actually challenged by the head of the department you could go and keep your head and then speak very um confidently and also with that calmness where did that come from were you always like that no i don't know where that came from uh, but that was a situation where i first discovered it and there were several situations after that i was and i have seen that in play a lot of times in college um yeah. and i and i'm sure that is that that kind of um ability to address the authority um it, with with a lot of respect rather than showing the rebellious attitude um, yeah polite challenge you might want to call it polite challenge um yeah i think uh, i think the confidence just built on itself i was in a situation where i was almost suspended from college uh, yeah. so the dean the, he was called the dean there so the dean called me uh, and a couple of my friends and he said i have got one question for you are you going to call your parents in or should i write to them because yeah. i'm suspending you from college as of today uh uh-huh. um so i had to figure out okay how do you get out of the situation um and then i said uh, well we'll talk about uh, your options but you you're obliged to tell us why you want to suspend us and give us an explanation why you want to do that you can't just tell me you're suspending me uh, go on tell me why you think you want to suspend me and i'll argue against it so we had a two hour discussion in his office uh, and eventually the decision he took and spare you the story was not to suspend us so so we we were saved by the skin of our teeth i think the three of us my friends were just watching me debating with him uh so we got out without being suspended thank god otherwise i would have had a proper hiding at home from my father <laughs> wow um so you think that that was something that was there inherently with you because this is this cannot be this kind of quality is what is is basically golden in anywhere you know in in life basically and and you were not thought or you did not have any kind of at least structural instruction or some role model that you learned from in your family i was always wondering got- where you got that kind of stoicism plus the ability to have fun you know that kind of perfect balance a lot of those uh, situations were emotionally inspired uh it wasn't necessarily the cold logic uh, that you took into that situation it was this, it was this uh, sense of 
I have this confidence to explain my position in a way that he's going to get and change his mind. Uh, and it's about how I present it to him in a way that makes sense, uh, that appeals to his sense of reason, not mine. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I think somehow it it was there in some measure, and uh, those situations just helped me to learn that uh, about myself and people better, and that has been handy throughout. I'm sure, you know, um, there was a there is a very nice book. Uh, I'm sure you know about it, um, which became a big bestseller, and it's very new i think relatively new written by daniel goleman about emotional intelligence where he thinks where he talks about what you're saying right now looking at somebody else's point of view and trying to understand and explain and stuff like that yes, uh, yes. you were daniel goleman before daniel goleman <laughs> was <laughs> has invented in emotional intelligence and i always kind of, you know you always come into my mind whenever i um whenever that word comes through, because I think your EQ quotient must be bigger than Einstein's for IQ. I'm sure we will have, uh, I'm sure all our um, classmates will have a lot of instances they can remember where you probably um, were able to kind of defuse a situation just with that, whatever you call polite challenge. Uh, And I've seen that happen so many times uh, when I was with you. Um, so go on from from your PUC. Yes, uh, so um, I came into medical <clears throat> school. I um, I didn't do very well in PUC uh, in terms of getting the right grades uh-huh. uh, to qualify for medical school in uh, Karnataka. Uh, and uh, I had done the entrance exams, which uh, we had to do to get a merit seat, a government seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I couldn't get through. So my interest uh, was actually not medicine. Uh, I wanted to do history. Uh, and literature uh, as a profession. Uh, And my dad had this tendency to uh, get me to consult people uh, on my wise career choices. So in a similar way to my cricket interest, when I said I want to do arts, uh, history and literature, he said, okay, what will you do with that qualification in terms of career? I said, maybe I'll go into journalism, maybe I'll write, maybe I'll teach. Uh, that's not I'm not bothered about what I'll do with it I just want to do it because I enjoy it uh-huh. so he called uh, my uncles and his assorted friends who are all PhDs in something or the other and my dad said look these are learned people uh, so I'm going to ask them the question and he asked them he wants to do arts and history and literature uh, what will you do with that qualification and they said eh, it's a waste of time because in the end he'll be wearing uh, leather chapels uh, khaki dress and a bag on the shoulder trying to run around politicians asking for some notes so that he can publish them in the newspaper. It's a total waste of time. He'll be on the streets in, uh, in, in all his life. And my dad said, okay, uh, so that therefore you're not going to do arts, history, and literature. <laughs> so that was the end of my interest uh, in that area. So I got pushed into medicine. And- so <laughs> it's, it's funny that you say this because um, I did not want to become a doctor, but then I, I got the seat and that is why I landed up in Belgaum. I wanted to do journalism as well as an excuse, but that was not because I knew myself. It's just because I did not know what I wanted to do and I did not want to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm almost certain that your choice of journalism as a career was because of that intense insight of yourself. Um, Converse to what I am. I'm just, 
I'm just floating in the wind wherever it blows I go. So what made you attracted towards arts and literature and I know that you you basically if I have to describe you you are a wordsmith in the real way you know you can paint a picture with words you can you're a great amazing storyteller um you can convince almost anybody to do anything <laughs> maybe not you know maybe not to that extent but but you have that amazing power of persuasion which um uh, which is which is which is you know which is a great which is a great talent where did you get that that kind of you know the the kind of what do you call i have learned so many words from you the first thing you had one of the things that i even use is called panache the the, the style <laughs> yeah. um so so where did you actually learn the kind of english which is even better than queen's queen's english was that in 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 your saint paul is it saint mary's school Uh, yeah, St. Mary's School. St. Mary's School. Uh, was it in school? Was it an inspirational teacher or was that the books that you read? Or, 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 or was that your kind of draw? One of the first things that you you told me was you are a nostalgic kind of a person because you identified yourself with the institution. That is your school. Mm. Um, mm. Was that kind of draw to the institution? Uh, and what is it that moved you to excel in that? it might be unconscious but what you know if you if you can tell me what what made you tick like that yeah i find uh, superlatives a bit hard to handle so uh, soften the superlatives a little bit when you ask me questions uh, uh, no i am in america we cannot yeah, talk without superlatives so <laughs> right. you might be a champion of understatement i am not <laughs> <laughs> all right okay i think it's a combination of all that you said uh going to a school uh, where i had a couple of inspirational teachers uh-huh. uh who introduced me to a different set of books in the library i used to read the same detective novels and stuff mm-hmm. so there was this teacher who said uh, you you have a voracious reading appetite and you shouldn't waste it on that nonsense you should be reading classics so that's where i got introduced to the uh, you know the shakespeares and the isaac asimovs who used to write a lot of space fiction those days uh-huh. richard bach Uh, and all those books um, not that i understood all the concepts in that literature but i found the words intriguing and i found the way they described stuff uh, very fascinating so yeah i used to read a lot i had some very good teachers who were passionate about literature and then uh, i discovered that uh, you know the ability to write poetry i used to write lots of poetry in my pc mm-hmm. must have written about 150 200 poems uh, do you have so, them all Uh, no um once i wrote it it was the end of it uh, so i would never keep it and you would write it on napkins or yeah, things like that n- napkins bus tickets yeah. anywhere when an idea comes you just pen it down and then when the idea is out on that piece of paper it doesn't belong to you anymore so it would get lost uh so i had a friend who used to keep them all safely for me uh, and there are still a few of those left somewhere uh-huh. um so but yes so i enjoyed reading and writing and listening to good teachers it's amazing i um i drink a lot of black coffee these days um mm. and once in a while i remember one of your poems of black coffee do you remember that cafe coffee in the cliff i think that's what yes. you're talking about yeah so you yeah. you had written that in uh, yeah. in in while we were in medical college 
Um, and I always used to think, what, what is it about black coffee? And when I started really developing a taste for coffee, now I am a coffee connoisseur. I buy my beans, mm. I grind them just before I draw, you know, I, I, I drink it. Um, wow. And then, and then, you know, I have all those little things, but then I, I very frequently remember that poem. I don't remember the words, but I remember the spirit of it. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just, it was, I think, I, how can I say this? It, uh, it was a gift uh, that uh, I gratefully received to translate uh, an emotional experience, whatever that emotional experience might be, put words to it, add a bit of metaphor, add a bit of simile, uh, but, but connect it to uh, real life in yeah. a certain way and make people think. Uh, so, uh, by no means am I, you know, I have developed anything of that in any way. Uh, but, yeah, it was just such a spontaneous experience to write those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and such a cathartic experience to be able to write what I wrote. Were you ever <clears throat> writing for anybody? No, never, not once. So, you never had that sense for or requirement for validation, which is very important. You know, like a lot of people write books or want to write and thinking that Mm. how is it going to be from the other side? And that is the basic writer's block. The writer's block is not because they have a problem expressing, but they are a problem expressing in how they seem to be looked at from the others. Um, You you, you think I'm right in that or do you think? Yes, of course. Uh, I think when writing becomes... Uh, a professional pursuit. Uh, I think the sense of peer review, uh, yeah. validation, uh, the commercial viability of the product, all those become factors in play. Um, but I had never seen anything in in. So those, that that kind ways. of lo- that kind of decoupling of what the product is going to look like for you, you did, didn't even bother because you once you wrote it, it's, it's gone. It's not even yes. there for you. It's just an Absolutely. expression, and that brought the beauty of it it's like you know this guy banksy uh my love is art you know he just oh, yes. it and runs away and yeah uh, and who knows it's a he or a she <laughs> um uh, you know it's like um, it's phenomenal um yeah take us through some memorable events in medical school oh yeah formative experiences ragging uh which we all went through i think um and you might remember uh you came back from uh, an instance of ragging in Sangam Hostel. Yeah. And, and you told me you were ragged uh, by a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the way you described uh, you were ragged, uh, that sense of humiliation, I hate people being humiliated. I just can't stand it. I think no one deserves to be humiliated. Good fun is all right. But when good fun becomes a humiliating experience, it's just unacceptable. So... I remember relating to the strong sense of humiliation you had experienced. And you might remember a lot of guys who will or might listen to this at some point will remember that we all got together in in a batch to write letters to the principal. This was a, this people. was not this was not Sangam, this was Chanakya, I think. We were in Chanakya at that time. We were in Chanakya at that time. The episode happened in Chanakya. Is it? Yeah, in uh, okay. one of the rooms on the other wing. Um, okay. and it was not a I, I can, you know, it's been so long, but I still remember that very vividly. We were, we were just 
it was not just me being humiliated it was all these big folk who were like you know one and a half times my size and your size yeah yeah uh, in our batch like a bunch of us getting dragged by these two or three people um that was a sense of the sense of kind of almost helplessness because all these guys are also doing whatever that these guys are and it was not because of we have been ragged and we have been ragged in a playful way and it has been fine you know yeah. you 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 know you expect it and then you later do that but there was a little bit of viciousness in this kind of ragging um and and it was not something that you could take if you are a self respecting person um but then you also feel helpless because you are the only guy or you you feel lonely there despite you are with your friends um, yes and so uh, we we didn't let that we didn't let, we didn't that, let that go down. We, yeah. you know we uh, we went and uh, you know the courage of our batchmates about 40 or 50 of them wrote letters yeah describing who had dragged them and how yeah and i remember taking those letters to the principal raja yeah and saying okay you keep telling us that you know our college is a ragging free college what will you do about this stuff that i've given you now yeah so he looked at it and he said it's compelling i can't ignore it mm-hmm. so i said uh, then you know it took a lot for my friends to write this put their names uh, on this piece of paper knowing that it's coming to you so you've got to respect what they have done yeah. by reciprocating so yeah. i don't know whether you remember uh, all of us guys were called to the council hall yeah i remember that very well yeah yeah where uh, raja called all those seniors one by one and suspended them right. in front of us yeah no that was uh, that was a uh, that was a very memorable event yes. during that time it actually showed the power again i think it was the way you handled it you know uh, like uh, the rest of us were probably bunch of sheep you know going through but then you actually got all of us together made made us right made us kind of organized and then go we actually went to raja's house in the middle of the night if you to remember and the police yes. actually came Yes. that time to see yes. if we are actually going to create any riots and raja said no that's fine these guys are yeah. just giving me a letter yeah uh, we thought that it was solemn enough that we can go in the middle of the night to his house yeah. it was almost like Absolutely. after dinner absolutely um, and yes, and, and and lodged a complaint um and and you know that was a good message that was a, that was that was perfectly handled uh no it was i think um we all of us knew how to stick to get together that wing in chanakya that was amazing uh, wing. Yeah. that was the best experience of my life thanks to all the guys who lived there yeah uh, it was what is called an open door so no one you know you, you, you might as well not bother putting a lock on your door because everyone who kicked the door open it was a pure utopia <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> you go the pure room, communism everything is everybody's yes you go into a room there's no bucket uh, no bucket no, no chappals everyone's taken them and then yeah. you got to go hunting for it <laughs> thankfully only the toothbrush was yours uh, yes no one did touch that uh, do you know where it all started from arindam lost his pair of chappals or that's right and he started using tanwadis yes or anybody's uh, tanwadi used to put stickers on his chappals well he used to put stickers on everything if you <laughs> but so he wouldn't let arindam touch his chappals then arindam went and took someone's chappals from someone else's room and then then it then it started the from chappals it it became everything it became the yes. bucket it became the soap it became yes do you remember so if you went into somebody's room and they're all sitting there and they look at you and your bare feet 
the first yeah. thing everyone would do is to take their chappal and hold it in their hands <laughs> oh dear and those, those, those the yeah. second thing which has a fantastic memory is you remember this guy called nadaf the security guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he used to come and threaten us saying that i'll report you to the principal uh, and people and people i'm not going to name names because you know people through <laughs> stop that oh yes Oh well in the middle of the night we used to take our old uh, burnt out bulbs and throw it yeah to next to him not on him next to him next so to that him. To, yeah yeah why aditya used to read that i mean anyone who looks at aditya will think what can this guy do aditya uh, used to be the one collecting the bulbs and throwing it aditya was a big pain in the, yeah. in 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 adladas <laughs> not way. for her yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. the, the second thing you remember nadaf uh, was then hell bent on catching us red handed for something or the other <laughs> So uh, you remember Raj? Raj is Raj yeah. is a junior from school. Bijoy, somebody uh, who had started MBBS. Yeah. So uh, Conrad, Raj, and Murga were ragging Bijoy in their room in a friendly Nadav. way. We were we, we were actually way. not at all vicious. We were we were yeah, friendly yeah. raggers. It was more like yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. So Bijoy Raj Bansi. Yes. Oh, oh, yes. I remember that name. <laughs> Yeah it yeah. is a, it has got that sense of royal feeling about it. Yeah yeah yeah. Rajwan I, I love that okay. name. Yeah. Mm. So Nadaf realized that's happening. So Nadaf locks them from outside and then goes and gets Dr. Shirol, the anatomy professor who was the warden. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so we were all angry uh, and we were all Bijoy is in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah Bijoy is in the cupboard. And we were worried that okay Raj Murga and Conrad are going to get caught her and we were all angry with Nadaf we crowded around the room. <clears throat> Nadaf had that look of triumph and glee on his face. Yeah, and Doctor Shirol opened. He said, "Nadaf, open the lock." Nadaf said, "Ha, now you'll know." And he opened the lock, and Doctor Shirol goes inside. Vijay is not there. <laughs> and then uh, Raj got angry. Raj said, "How dare he lock us in our room like that? What if I wanted to go for a piss? Should I open the window and piss from the window?" And Murga wouldn't be left behind. Murga said, "I needed to go to the toilet, and I have been sitting here controlling it, and I can't go to the toilet because he locked us from outside." and conrad as usual couldn't be bothered conrad was just sitting on his bed and looking at all the goings on he was least interested and then nasab said sir illa idare which is he was here only sir i know and he looked under the bed he looked everywhere and because of the noise uh, dr shirol got annoyed and he said nasab don't waste my time again like this yeah and nasab left <laughs> and then murga and raj opened the cover and out comes bijoy bijoy is having a big laugh he was having fun as well Mm-hmm. So yeah, I remember that because we all went to Raj's Raj's room at that time because Sirol yeah. was coming at amazing. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember another incident when uh, we all used to get together at around twelve o'clock because we had postgraduates downstairs? Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who, There was who, who, one guy who, who, who was uh, from Tumkur. Uh, I forget yes. his name, but you know. Anyway, yeah, he was really rude. precious. Yeah, <laughs> they were pres- to them. Chanakya was their hostel, and yeah. we were uh, irritating presence. <laughs> So if there was bitter noise, he would come upstairs and shout at us yeah. and say, "Keep quiet! We are all studying here. We are PGs. Uh, yeah. You know, you are medical students." So he used. To, then we thought, okay, we need to show him what <laughs> P, uh, UGs can do. So every night at around twelve o'clock, if you remember, we, we used to running. come to our doors. No, 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 no. We used to come to our doors in our own respective rooms. We used to stand at the door, and then the last room, which was Jalal, uh, no. Um, Jal, Jal Mistri. Jal Mistri, yeah. Uh-huh. Jal Mistri and he would signal. Uh, he would say three, two, one, and everyone would start shouting in a chorus at the same time for about three to five minutes, and bang plates, pots, and just yell the head out. 
uh, and then quickly close their rooms put the lights off and go to bed i think that was the milder version and then later we actually even ventured out to their wing in the Is middle of okay? the night you remember that and <laughs> and once aditya i think he lit up one of these firecrackers and put it <laughs> inside through the through, through the <laughs> through this uh, through the small uh, you know the sill above the, the windows, door he yeah, just put it yeah. inside that what if <laughs> yes, someone yes. was sleeping on the floor <laughs> so aditya was really vicious <laughs> yes so that was great fun the other thing i think i can't i can't ever forget this incident was uh, you know the road in front of chanakya hostel a lot of pretty women used to walk on that road uh, so yeah. manoj nayan Uh, had this uh, ability to whistle yeah uh, so he would come stand at my window and whistle uh, and then quickly hide away uh, murga also wanted to whistle but murga did not know how to whistle uh, and he kept trying and eventually he could start whistling and he was so thrilled that he could whistle he kept on whistling standing at the window the three women were looking at him from the road and murga said okay they are on the road i am here who cares i'll whistle so he kept on whistling and he was so thrilled and happy about it so what happens 5 minutes time uh, we murga is walking out of our door and suddenly those through through those three women are at my door uh, and they say can you show us again how you whistle he said no 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 i wasn't whistling they said we could see you from the road you were whistling now you show us we are here we are standing right in front of you now you whistle let us see Murga said no i don't whistle like that i only try see i don't even know how to whistle all these guys who whistled have ran away <laughs> 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 because that was the first time i think women had come to chadakya first floor the other wing where pravin nekambar asif they all used to live they were all in the central area yeah and they were all looking with those uh, you know who oh, the three pretty women in the how corridor. come they are here <laughs> i mean you know it's a, it's a sight for the eyes isn't it yeah so they were all pretty thrilled that there was something i remember them when they were walking up jaydeep mm. parep was coming downstairs from the second floor <laughs> to the first floor and he was That's wearing amazing. his bermudas and it's he was wearing his get, they, it's amazing they could get past jaydeep no 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 <laughs> they did not i'll tell you what happened to jaydeep so jaydeep is coming down from the stairs and then he's wearing his bermudas his, his baggy shorts mm. and then these girls are coming and suddenly he makes a big scene who you're peeping you're peeping under my shorts <laughs> he closes the shorts you're peeping you should not peep <laughs> i i lost it when he said that and i think i was just somewhere laughing i i missed murgas <laughs> Don't peep. <laughs> Don't peep. And we thought only guys did that to girls in short skirts, but obviously <laughs> it works the other way around too. Yeah. Um. Great fun. So yes, we were all together. The most important thing. We were uh, together. We were really. We were together. We were, always we together. We were really a unit, and I think we still have that kind of spirit. So yes, I think uh, what we took out of that was the strong sense of camaraderie we had. Yeah. Uh, which started from first MBBS. Uh, I think it all started of... with one wing in uh, yes. in your hostel. I think what yes. was it called? Uh, it Karnataka. was not Sangam. Karnataka. It was Karnataka, Karnataka hostel. I think that yeah. Karnataka hostel was a bonding area, and we were outsiders to Karnataka. But but then but then when when you all moved to Chanakya, I was embraced into that same wing, and and that was really a great group. Um, it was. It was. Uh, it was a. It was a lot of. Uh, The, 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 i mean those bonds stay as strong even today yes. you know uh, it's it's not like um, 
you, you go back to those kind of jovial days immediately. There is no sense of time that separated us. Absolutely. So there are a lot of things that you did in um, medical college. Some of the things that people have either directly or indirectly alluded to is, is, is in many ways, you know, you helped a lot of us at least lose the stage fright. I am a much better public speaker today because of, because you, you pushing us, you were a very great friend to many of us. Um, and I remember a lot of people would actually feel very comfortable in, um, in, in, in actually opening up to you uh, because, you know, because I think you had that, Another gift that you had was listening. Listening, um, yes. You, you know, and, and that is almost uh, such a precious gift that I, I don't know anybody who is a better listener. Um, you know, and that, that, that thing about listening along with your emotional intelligence and, and, and everything just stacks up together perfectly. Um, uh, and and you always knew that you wanted to become a psychiatrist because of that. Was that? I'm just telling. Uh, I'm just, I'm just you know hypothesizing. Is that something right? Correct? Because you knew your strengths. Um, is is that why you wanted to become psychiatrist? Because I know that you always said you'll you'll be a psychiatrist. It was not a cool thing to be at that time, but you knew that that is what you wanted to do. Yes, I think partly that and partly because of how patients with mental health problems were treated uh, in district hospital. You know, when we used to go for outpatient clinics in civil hospital, uh, anyone who seemed remotely mentally ill was treated like uh, no less than an animal. Uh, They were dehumanized uh, and they were said, take that idiot out of here to that corner area. The psychiatry OPD was far away in a corner nobody knew about. Uh, so it was almost like uh, these patients were not human. Uh, and that was absolutely hurtful to see human beings being treated like that. So I think the first time I decided to do psychiatry was in second MBBS. The end of second MBBS where I saw some patients being treated badly. Um, and because, you know, yeah, whether I had it in me to become a good physician or surgeon, I don't know. Uh, certainly I had an inclination towards hospital administration. Uh, which is what I do most of my time now. Um, But then when I saw how those patients were treated in general hospitals, uh, I think that was when I decided uh, this is exactly what I want to do, uh, mental health, and I'll make sure my patients are never treated like that. They're treated like human beings, I think. That's amazing. Um, So it was more and more for the patients. And and you also knew that you had the gift, I think, I I suppose. Yes, that was there. That was there. It didn't intimidate me. I think uh, mental health issues intimidates yeah. a lot of people. Uh, it actually uh, drew me in uh, because when people come and tell you their stories, you're learning from them. So they're actually teaching you. So yeah. they're giving you a gift. So, so I learned a lot listening to people. So I knew I had it in me to be able to work with mental health, yeah. people with mental health issues. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was, um, yeah, no, that is, uh, that is such a, um, and then, and then you ended up doing psychiatry in Nimhans, uh, with yes. Praveen doing neurosurgery. Um, and yes. I know that there is a lot that we can cover about medical college itself, but you know, I want to move on because a lot of people will talk about you in their podcasts and they have as well, like Praveen or, uh, or Aditya or, or even Surabhi saying that, you know, you actually helped her become an MC, uh, in the Spikmeke concert. <clears throat> and, Ooh, yes. and a lot of us have a lot of, a uh, lot of 
fond memories of you and um and 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 you actually touched in my view a lot of people very uh, in 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 a very kind of intimate and very nice uh close way you know you you really kind of connected with a lot of people um <clears throat> i count that as my good fortune uh, to have been in a batch with such rich characters no it and is this- and and also you know um you know if if i have to count five people who have had an influence in my life during those medical colleges and i keep in constant touch you are one of them mm. um you know and there are and i'm sure you you kind of are a common factor in a lot of people's uh, thing and and it is it is very fortunate that we had you and it, in and in fact <clears throat> if i have to remind everybody you were the one who came up with the idea of that book epistle you were the one who came with the word epistle uh for true. that yes. for that little book where we actually add all the addresses and and everything and 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 you know it it all started from there and so the i remember is, it was uh, almost uh, an internship project so you know was, we used to have 15 paisa postcards in india yeah you know uh, yeah. the the zero privacy postcards yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i remember buying them uh, and getting a list of uh, home addresses from the college office of all my batchmates yeah Uh, and writing to all my batchmates saying can you update your address and send it back to me using this card or whatever yeah, yeah. so that i can send it to a book and publish it in a book which rasik facilitated actually uh, yeah. rasik uh, knew someone with a, a printing press uh-huh. uh, uh, in bombay and he got it all printed that was a beautiful uh, thing i mean was. all those addresses might be outdated now but it actually kind of started the um, initial anchor to keep us together is beautiful. I mean yeah. these were all pre WhatsApp days and everything and I think I think we are all in touch together because of that, you know. It's, yes. it started with that. And then we took it to pre- online pre internet days and then during the internet we started a Yahoo group and then later now it's in You started system. the Yahoo group. Yeah, because I had computer. <laughs> I was in the- So Avinash now <clears throat> let's start from the time that you left JNMC in in JNMC yeah. after MBBS and internship you stayed in physiology as a tutor. uh for some time and then you you joined nimhans um for psychiatry how was that like right okay i spent two and a half years in jnms after qualifying trying to get to the entrance exams uh, into a psychiatry program uh, i'll take some credit that jnms started a psychiatry program the year i was leaving because raja wanted to keep me in jnms so uh, he had offered me pathology microbiology physiology and even went up to medicine Uh-huh. uh i i said no i'm not interested in that i wanted to do psychiatry yeah. he had lost his school in his office i remember people come paying money for medicine and you don't want to do that why do you keep asking me stuff i don't have i said well i'm telling you what i'll do so he had to furnish some bank guarantee and get the board to approve a psychiatry training program which they thought won't make any money at all yeah uh, but he somehow got around to convincing the kelly board to put together 75 lakhs as a bank guarantee to the mci uh, at that time uh to open a psychiatry md seat in uh-huh. belgaum but that was the year i got nimans and then he said wow i, j- <laughs> I didn't know this part yeah, amazing yeah. so the college so going said, going out of the way or raja going out of the way um to to try to accommodate you yeah so i was fortunate like that again yeah. i have a strong sense of belonging to jnmc for lots of reasons friends that is one of them mostly that is one of them So yeah I got it was a tough exam because I had done it twice and I was unsuccessful demands 
Yeah. Uh, but I finally got it. Praveen was there already doing neurosurgery at that time. Yeah. And uh, I remember Praveen sending me the form from Nimans. Uh, saying fill it up for, and come for those it. of you who haven't heard Praveen's podcast he talks about this episode quite nicely yeah i uh, it was a moment uh, uh, ragu uh, praveen and i were roommates in charaka at that right. time praveen's yeah. grandmother was terminally ill uh, in a village excuse <laughs> me yeah so i and praveen used to go to kaspekar met could to get morphine uh, so he could send it to the village for his grandmother wow. mm-hmm. so during a lunch break Uh, we had a telegram those days we used to have telegrams remember yeah uh, so we had a telegram delivered to the post office uh, postman uh, to our hostel room so i took the telegram and i thought okay this is obviously ominous news and i gave it to pravin and his eyes welled up uh, and i thought okay you know you knew she was unwell yeah. it was uh, coming so i put my arm around him and tried to comfort him and actually the message in the telegram is you've been selected for mch neurosurgery nimans join on the 5th of september <laughs> i said well, this is actually good news <laughs> why are you crying <laughs> and he said i have to leave you and go <laughs> so <laughs> i still remember that moment yeah i know uh, that is uh, if i have to remember anything about friendship i think um, i that that moment the description of that moment comes to my mind you know when pravin is crying because he had to leave you after struggling himself going yes. through all that and and getting into mch but then his first thought at that moment was oh what will the avinash do yeah what will he uh, do so he was a bit worried and yeah. then i told him i'll join you next year in the yeah. so don't worry yeah so when that actually happened thank god for that uh, we were absolutely thrilled so yeah i started in imans in 1999 yeah uh, there were three best years of my life uh, and i'm very very thankful to imans for having taught me how to look after people with mental health issues and there you and met a no... lot of good friends and we have some good friends together umar and absolutely yeah um 1999 wow i was already in the uk by then you were in the uk at that time. i was in the uk uh, yeah things yeah. come back i remember uh, you had asked me to join you in the uk do exams and come to waste your time there uh, we had a couple of mutual friends who had asked me to go to the uk yeah, yeah. asha i remember who asha, was here yeah. in the uk sir yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but i wanted to do psychiatry there in india in india yeah and, i think that was a good move because i having that kind of breadth of experience in india and also in the in the I uk later feel, if you do medicine in india uh, you know under graduation post graduation you can practice medicine anywhere in the world i'm sure about what that. what yeah. india puts you through no other system no other system it. actually puts you through and i yeah. think we were also very lucky that jnmc was one of the at least at that time was one of the best yeah. colleges um i happened to be in jnmc by accident but i think it probably was the best college you know when i when i looked at the quality of medical students in the uk and also in the in the yeah. us and the quality of the residents the sound um fundamental knowledge that they actually imparted in jnmc um yeah was was just phenomenal um if i ever needed operating uh, for any health problem in the future uh-huh. i would probably go to one of my friends in india one in of my batchmates in india uh-huh. rather than get operated here and i mean there are good people here uh, but i would trust uh, i would trust them any day even that's the yes. same thing that even i'll have you know it's yeah. like um yeah that is you know that 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 con- that kind of conversation is for some other time but that's true i know yeah yeah um and then you did your j you did your 
and then uh, you came and joined joined us in in the UK. You came to UK. To, did you have to take I PLAB did. or you did FRC Psych? No, no, no. I had to take uh, PLAB. PLAB. Uh, that was an experience. Uh, you looked after me. You remember uh, for a few months. I stayed with you in your house in Dundee while I was trying to clear the. That was one of the best times of my life. Again, having having <laughs> you. Yeah, for me, that was uh, a sheltered acculturation. Let me put it like that. Uh, I didn't know how to live in the new country, and you looked after me like that. So uh, yeah, so I did PLAB, and then I got a job, a rotation job in Leicester. So I've been in this place called Leicester, which is about hundred miles north of London in the UK. Yeah, I've been here in Leicester since two thousand four. that has been where you have been for the last now 16 17 years yes yes so that, you in 2004 yeah i left uk in 2006 and we were visiting you in leicester yeah. or we would meet in either in leicester or in leeds or wherever uh, for the yeah. last one and a half years of my stay in the uk yeah um in leicester if i remember you you did an sho rotation first the senior house yeah. officer so, and then yeah the spr they were called at that time so uh, it was another training program here yeah uh, sho then spr then i became a consultant yeah and yeah. and and you have been a consultant now for almost 10 years yes uh, i've been a consultant since 2010 so 10 years 10 years now mm. and now you are also the um the chief of the the nhs or one of the chiefs of the nhs there is that right right the organization i work for looks after mental health services for the local population that is the entire uh, lester share that is basically yeah, the entire yeah. you can entire say the state equivalent yeah the state equivalent it looks after children services community hospitals elderly services etc so it's got a quite breadth of services and i am now for the last 6 months the chief medical officer of that organization which is a medical director basically yeah yeah and 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 you are in the you are in the c suite of that of that humongous uh, organization what is the number of employees you have in your total organization we've got, we've got 6000 employees and uh, we've got a budget of uh, around 300 million pounds wow um 6000 employees and yeah. and and taking care of them and the and the population that you cover is what what is the one, population like 1 plus million about a million a million plus, people million and plus. and you take and 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 your services actually take care of the mental health children's and even the social services is that right yeah is we work with com- social services yeah we work you, with social services Uh-huh. Uh, community hospitals which are generally for the elderly okay uh, and uh, community health services which includes your district nurses your physiotherapy occupational therapy all that sort of stuff and describe to me a typical day for you because i know that so, you have now moved away a <laughs> lot you still have a clinical clinical commitment maybe a day or yeah. or two per week and then but then yeah. describe kind of the job that you do my god okay right um, i came into this job middle of the pandemic so it was almost like walk, walking into a movie hall halfway through the movie not mm-hmm. knowing the plot and the characters but ex- being expected to pick up the story and yeah 
everything uh, as you go along. So my typical day starts at eight o'clock. Uh, eight o'clock is generally what we call a central command call to know what happened yesterday, what's going to happen today, what are we supposed to do, what are the clients who's going to do what. So it's uh-huh. a central command call. Uh, and then it's a series of meetings because my job includes responding to the COVID demands, planning vaccinations, making sure mental health services, community health services are functioning, looking after the quality of those services, responding to the regulators, uh, handling disciplinaries, uh, conduct investigations into doctors, so all that sort of stuff. So the day starts at 8 o'clock, uh, and usually it's a series of meetings, one after the other, uh, until around... 6.30 or 7, most days. In between, I might end up going to a hospital site where we are having problems. Uh, and then uh, I generally close shop around 6.37. It's family time until 10 o'clock. Uh, I don't do anything else but play with my son and listen to my wife if there is such a thing. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, from around 10, 10.30 when they go to bed, uh, I start doing my emails. Uh, all the emails that are built up over the day and I start preparing my report. So I usually sleep at around 12, 12.30. Then I'm up by around 6.30. Um, in between, I try and get about 30 minutes of exercise uh, and food wherever I can. So you get up at that's 6.30 in the morning, you sleep at 12.30, so six hours of sleep, it's like, that's enough for you? Yeah, I've gotten used to it. You gotten used to it, and in six thirty yeah. till nine, you basically still undergo planning for the day. I suppose after your daily six thirty to eight, because the day starts at eight. Eight o'clock, yeah. So yeah, usually it is uh, you know make yourself a cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I prepare breakfast for the family, and uh-huh. then I get on with my day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty packed day. Now it is busy. It's a it's a busy day now. In your kind of experience um, of your day, which is a lot of admin, um, yeah. what is the more gratifying part of that? You know, because I know that a lot of us hate admin. I was I was a section chief for my section for about three mm. years, um, and and I hated a lot of parts of that job. But there were some parts which were gratifying. In in your in your experience, this is a lot bigger than what I did. That mine is puny, tiny, nothing. But y- you are taking care of all these, you know, high-end things. What is the gratifying things? What do you look forward to? Okay. Um, you know, a lot of the job is about developing models, strategic planning, uh-huh. operational monitoring of your strategic plan implementation, stuff like that. Um, so when you see things working, you, you feel gratified. But the two simple things that make your day, now one, when a patient sends a note saying that either he, she, or their family have received excellent care from the organization and they wanted to say so. That's number one. And number two, when someone from your clinical colleagues turns around and say, what you guys did has actually made a difference to how I work. Uh, so if I get any of those two, which are not very often, uh, you know, that makes my day. Wow. That's it. And and in the times of meetings and stuff like that, and do you get to kind of um, direct the strategy a lot within your organization? What yeah. I'm asking yeah. is, how much freedom do you have 
being part of that kind of a bohemian system like NHS, which is a bureaucratic fortress, how much kind of freedom do you get to to actually uh, overlook the strategy, uh, or or at least direct and modify the strategy or the or the tactics of the organization from your uh, kind of is, perch? Yes, um, we are uh, taxpayer funded, uh-huh. uh, so we are accountable to the government for how we spend our money uh, in terms of being implement being able to implement what the government wants us to do for the population. Uh, but there is relative freedom in how you look at the expectations and develop your own plans and strategies. So there is freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, that uh, putting together of the plans is driven by your own local needs, your workforce, and lots of other factors. So there is freedom. There is freedom to challenge established notion. There is freedom to challenge bureaucracy, which is a big bane of the NHS. Uh, so which is why you want to do a job like this. Yeah. Because working as a clinician, you, you think of what, why do I want to work in a shitty system like this where patient care is not easy and working for patients is not easy either. Uh, but in a job like mine, uh, I can break down those barriers. I can change systems to make it easier for patients to get the best experience from their clinicians. Uh, and that was what keeps you going in a job like this. The, the opportunity to influence that and make it better. And it is possible. Uh-huh. And and I I think your 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 extremely kind of valuable skills. Um, I can't I can't still get over that term polite challenge. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it actually helps a lot even today for for day to day. You know when yes. you're dealing with the bureaucrats and and, and uh, yeah and, and and the kind of diplomacy that you have. I remember one thing which I tried, but it never comes out as cool as when you do it. Uh, we were going to see Princey for something I don't remember, and and you would write requesting one one and a half minutes of your time, or something. Oh like yeah, that. I used to write requesting uh, <laughs> the courtesy of your time. I used to write something in top, yeah. Something yeah. like that, very politely asking something that actually stands out from everybody else, saying one yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, um, Yeah, no, um, a lot to learn from from. From you know, I've learned a lot. You know, I'm not putting them to use, of course, but you know, I've learned a lot from uh, from <laughs> just observing you. Tell us about your family, Avinash. Your little son. Um, you know, okay. Have, uh, a lot of us know about 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 your wife, but just introduce us. Okay, so you met them. Um, yeah, she's a doctor. She uh-huh. graduated in JMC. Bagyashri. Uh, Bhageshri, she graduated in JMC uh, after we left JMC. So she mm-hmm. was, I think, four or five years junior to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got married with blessings from the families, both the families. Sadanand's uh, uh, sister, younger sister, yeah, Sadanand yeah, yeah. yeah. So we knew each other quite well. Uh, mm-hmm. I've known her since uh, she was in school. Uh, so, uh, so we got married in 2002 um, and uh, came to the UK in 2004 together. Uh, after that, we had a son in 2011. Uh, so Bageshri is a, a family physician. They call them GPs in UK. Yeah. Uh, so she's a practicing GP. Uh, my son was born in 2011. His name is Siddharth. Uh, so he's nine years old now, going on 19. Uh, <laughs> uh, absolutely clever. Yeah. Uh, brilliant wit. Yeah. Uh, huge amount of confidence. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and uh, you know, he, he's a very sensitive soul. Uh, 
that's very important whenever he's in the park and if he it's cold he'll be the first one to take his coat off and give it to somebody else wow uh, so that's him uh, very gentle sensitive guy um so i have to share this with you so uh, they have these expectations of how the handwriting needs to be isn't it in school mm-hmm. uh, so i'm generally okay with most stuff so his mom is particular that he writes it in a certain way so she came and started commenting on his t his h and his n and all that he listened to a patient here and he said okay mom get me a piece of paper and a pen and he said can you write something for me and he dictated something and she wrote and then he said now you read it she couldn't read her own handwriting he said look you can't read your your own handwriting no one else can read it but you can read mine i can read mine everyone else can read it so you don't come and lecture me on how to write when you don't have to do it yourself <laughs> i should have recorded that moment and he did that with such calm confidence and poise <laughs> so, uh, so the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in that sense you know that is that is an amazing set of stack of talent that he has actually um <laughs> demonstrated in that one sequence where where he yes. showed not only that he can analyze the situation yeah. the problem break it down into components and then see it in from from the other person's perspective and make yeah. a point a beautiful storytelling kind of thing you know this is what yeah. people pay a lot to learn <laughs> and yeah, he doesn't that, have to and it is already there yeah. it's amazing he, yeah he he was so happy to meet uh, uh, all of those who attended the get together in agra so a uh-huh. lot of our classmates met him there yeah. they met my wife they met him um and he was absolutely impressed he said where did you go to get friends like this wow. all these friends you know them so well i said yeah we went through stuff together you'll realize that when you go to uni i don't think they have the same university life anymore probably the not kind of life yeah. yeah yeah you know who knows you know they have they have a yeah. different we never had the same life as our parents and no we didn't yeah. our children will not have the same as ours so um that's uh, that's um, that's amazing tell me more about him because i remember i think he was he, he was uh, maybe 6 or 7 years old i think when i visited you last yes, i don't remember yes. when it was about 3 years ago um, yeah it was it um, was that is when i visited and he was absolutely adorable uh, yeah. ve- very again my impression of him was that he was a very poised mini hiremat mini avinash hiremat <laughs> um, no he's he's uh, he's a bright kid yeah yeah Uh, yeah so he's a good kid yeah yeah <laughs> so very very done i'm sure a mother has a lot to do with his uh, upbringing she has always been a doting she was a doting auntie to my daughter when when that. we yeah, used Varsha. to worship she would yeah. you know the amount of affection that she showers on the kids is uh, is just yeah. amazing i think she was extremely doting uh, aunt to even uh, rajeshri's Uh, yeah son of course second mother yeah yeah second mother um you know so um your you have a brother in bangalore is he in bangalore or in hubli now at the moment working from home in hubli with my mom with your mom he's uh, he's into the software stuff uh-huh. and 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 he was a frequent visitor when we were in college my god yes <laughs> yeah he was a bit more street smart and rowdy than i was i think Uh, yeah 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 no he's like um, yeah the rowdy avinash remar he had the same kind of 
what is amazing to me is that he had a lot of the same qualities that you have. Yeah. Maybe not. I have not observed him use English with the same kind of style that you can use, but or language, but in everything else, he was very similar. Is that yeah. is that fair to say? It was very similar. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people when they talk to him on the phone, they think they're talking to me and vice versa. Yeah, because I think the way we speak is also similar. The only difference, uh, he's uh, he's slightly brighter than me, uh, and he's more short-tempered than I am. <laughs> the two differences. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's got to be something, you know, there in the upbringing that you have, which mm-hmm. you both actually have that kind of depth um you know in 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 kind of connecting to people and stuff like that you know i think a lot of people who have met your brother are also quite close to him feel connected to him that's true yeah, yeah. In, i think in, it all comes down to my father my father was a self made man he came from nothing uh-huh. uh and he made sure we had the best uh, and then he had to run away from his family yeah so that he could continue in school because they were almost about to send him to work on the farms yeah they said there's no point in going to school you're not going to get anything so he had to run away from home uh-huh. to continue in school so he made his own life uh, so he was an inspiration in terms of his own story so though you had some bittersweet moments with your dad it was more as as he was a, he was a very good role model in in many oh, ways he actually shaped he actually shaped cuz i used to be scared of your father i i used to come to your house and yeah, scared in the sense not in the sense of it's it was almost like reverent respect that you didn't yeah, want to yeah. you didn't want to be on the uh you know what you said displeasing side yeah displeasing yeah, and and he would yeah. not make any he would not mince words as you said he had his yeah. own way of uh, uh of saying th- things but he was it almost kind of seemed to me that he was always looking out for for you and even me in many ways you know the way he would actually behave but he had his own curt way he was more of a yes. the the old taskmaster disciplinarian yeah, disciplinarian yeah. you think that had a do, do you think how how do you think that could have helped you in the polite challenge that that, that no that was i think uh, nothing from his side nothing from his uh, side because no he didn't believe in polite challenge you know, he yeah, was an aggressive no. guy yeah he was completely the opposite yeah not completely the opposite aggressive. but he was opposite yeah he was he yeah, was more he was, yeah he was very aggressive he himself was the managing director of a big firm yeah uh, and because he had risen up from the ranks of uh, the shop floor workers yeah uh, and whenever he expected something from them in terms of output they said no it's not practically possible to let's say machine so many items in such a short span of time you would just roll up his sleeves and show them how it's done yeah uh so he knew exactly how everything works yeah uh, to be able to take a position uh, and that i learned from him mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't have any element of polite challenge it was uh, it was a good use of uh, colorful language uh, and, <laughs> yeah in getting people to do stuff yeah and your mom was such a gentle person uh, you know um she she you know she's very affectionate whenever yeah. we went um very soft spoken uh, very, very soft spoken yeah very, yeah she was a teacher herself uh-huh. uh before she stopped teaching to look after me and my brother yeah amazing amazing and um they still live in hubli now your mother yeah. and my, your 
uh, my brother at the moment my dad passed away in 2014 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so in the next let's say in the next 5 years you are now the cmo um of that lester you know professionally where do you where do you see yourself do you have any kind of aspirations no um okay in terms any, of my profession professional journey yeah um, um i have never planned too hard uh, so i do what i'm doing first and then the opportunities come by themselves when they come uh, you take it I, if yeah, you like it if if i feel like it yeah if i feel like it um so i don't know where to go from here some people say do you want to become a chief executive do you want to start thinking i said no i'm just getting to know how to do this job yeah um but eventually um, i think i'll retire in a management role a corporate management role which is what i'm doing now whatever uh-huh. that kind of role is uh uh-huh. um and and hopefully between now and retirement i'll be able to develop my um, other areas of interest which is literature poetry and stuff like that have you started writing any poetry now i'm trying to uh, i have to rediscover that spontaneity uh, to be able to think freely i need to create space for that which has been a problem but i think within the next few months i'll be writing uh-huh. that's awesome uh, it'll be awesome to uh, it, you know i just you know i remember a few few poems not the words but the feelings that was uh, that was actually expressed by them we would love to actually get reintroduced to that um yeah happy to share <laughs> you know um so i mean it's been great talking to you for the last 2 hours it's been amazing definitely it was such a beautiful nostalgic <laughs> trip to think and remember all these instances and friends yeah. and everything there's yeah. so much to talk about I think uh, if there is something we should end on uh, it is to rekindle the idea that Raj had proposed on the JNMC fund group of getting all the uh, batchmates together I, mean, I think it's mostly guys in that group but uh, but I think whoever. I think it has to be done I think this covid has yeah. given us a renewed sense of um, yeah what is important to me it has been it has been a time to pause and also kind of do things that I like um you know and this is something that i like reconnecting with our friends and we are also in that kind of age when we are hitting when we want to recon- reconnect and yes. you know we have achieved most of what we want to achieve um and and you know and and i think we can we have enough time to make leisure for ourselves and meet and re- you know and and repurpose our chair repurpose the rest of our the second half of our lives